What's going on you guys and welcome back to the channel. If it is your first time here, my name is Brandon. As always, we do have our Investing Academy, which is that first link down below if you're looking for courses and training right here in Canada. But today we're back with another episode of two stocks to buy right now. And this is actually a follow-up video because the last video I did, we went over a list of 25, a power list of our favorite US companies. And some people had the nerve to comment things like, well, these stocks are all overvalued and we're at all time highs. These stocks are not attractive at the moment. And I never said that they were supposed to be attractive. The whole point of that video, if you watched it, I specifically said to throw on the watch list and maybe some opportunities will present themselves. That said, this video right here is for those types of people who need stocks to buy right now because these are two that I believe are relatively attractive despite what we got going on in our market. And of course, we'll be going with a Canadian stock as well with a US stock as per our usual agenda. If you guys enjoy, please do take a moment to give a thumbs up to this video. That really does help. But stock number one is the company Alimentation Kush Tard. Class B shares. The ticker is ATD.B. This is a stock that off highs back in 2020 is down somewhere along the lines of 20%. And actually, I got a ton of comments on a previous video saying, please cover Kush Tard. Please cover this stock. And to be completely honest with you guys, I, before doing my research for this video, this is a brand new stock to me. I had not come across this stock in my research. In fact, when I saw those comments, I literally didn't even know what language people were speaking. Like I didn't understand. I had no clue what people were talking about. But now I do, because depending on where you are situated in Canada, if you're over on the West Coast like myself, we don't have Kush Tards over here, but we have Max. Over on the East Coast, you'll come across these convenience stores. You'll also come across gas stations. And it's not just in Canada. They have business that expands to the U.S. You'll see a variety of different states. Actually, internationally, you have locations that are found across the globe. Places like Australia, Mexico, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, even places over in Asia like Taiwan, uh, like Hong Kong, Vietnam, and Macau. You would be looking at the Circle K locations. That's more or less their US and international branch of convenience store. Here in Canada, we do have the Max, of course. And the first thing to start this video off with, which is what really caught my mind about a company like this, is that it is not, you don't come across too many of these in the Canadian market in terms of a pure play on convenience stores. Like I mentioned, a big portion of this company's business comes from fuel and gasoline, which we're gonna look at in a second. But these two areas of business are kind of aiming to be that dynamic duo where no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in our globe, you're still gonna need to stop for things like gas, assuming we're not on lockdown, and you're gonna need to stop for things at a convenience store like cigarettes or like snacks, et cetera, et cetera. This company actually has over 15,000 locations across the globe. So although I wasn't familiar with the name, it's a big company. As I continued on with my initial research with this company, I have to say that I was actually quite surprised with some of the numbers they were posting, being that this was not a stock on my radar. Revenue growth over the past three years have been compounding at a rate of 12.61%. Net income over that same period compounding at 20, just shy of 25%, which in my opinion is quite impressive. I did highlight here the margins just to note, this is not a necessarily high margin area of business being a convenience store. But the deeper I looked, basically going back as far as a decade, I saw pretty strong numbers across the board. If we look at any of these major categories that I've highlighted, we've seen revenue totally expand over a decade long period from 2011, $18.9 billion to where we sit today hovering around $50, million, $50 billion 
Operating income has grown along with that. Net income earnings per share all going in an upwards trending pattern. Towards the bottom of the page, we see operating cash flow and free cash flow telling us a very similar story with a nice trend. And if we were to take a second to look into the actual business side of things and how they're growing each segment, really they break it down between their merchandise and services sold. And that's growing at a compound rate of 10% going back over that same period. As well, we see fuel fuel volume, which as well is growing at a nice clip. Obviously, 2020, we see a bit of a hamper here, um, given the given the state of our world. And what I found to be quite important with a company like this is that their track record of integrating some of the deals they work with, this is a big way the company expands, is they work out deals or essentially partnerships with other established companies across the globe. They work out, I mean, on average, looking here about three, four deals a year, which allows them to totally expand. And that was one thing that I had to keep in mind. You know, it's nice to see all this revenue growth when you're seeing companies grow, 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 grow. But one thing you don't want to see is companies taking on big debt burdens and basically just acquiring that growth all too much. When I looked at the financial health ratios, I saw no immediate red flags. In fact, I'd actually argue some of these numbers, such as the current ratio and quick ratio, are actually looking not too shabby. One thing to keep in mind is that, again, they grow through acquisitions, no question, but one of the things that they're targeting going forward is to have a little more organic growth rather than just acquiring that growth. But you can see why, based on these metrics, why the stock has done so well. It's actually clearly outperformed not only the TSX, but the S&P 500. And again, I'm kind of shocked myself that I was just kind of being being made aware of this company now, but thank you guys for the comments for bringing it to my attention. So one of the questions we may ask is, well, why is the stock selling off and why is it down close to 20%? And I think one of the main reasons, especially as of recently, I believe they saw about a 9% drop a week or two ago. One of the big things that was in the news was that they were essentially trying to go forward pretty aggressively with a takeover. They were essentially trying to acquire or they had a deal going with a big French grocery company or a grocer chain, I should say, in France. And it actually got close to coming to fruition. However, the France government basically stepped in and said, we don't want this to happen. We don't want foreign companies, of course, us being foreign, having too much ownership in their largest grocers. So essentially, the French government came in and vetoed that deal. And it's now pretty much, at least from what I've came across, it's off the table. And again, this was relatively new to me, but this was, in my opinion, why the stock dropped, uh, I believe, again, 9%. I don't know exactly what the intentions were here. But from the articles I read, from the from what I've heard from analysts and just kind of the overall sentiment, I think a lot of investors that are invested in the stock actually weren't for that deal. They were somewhat against it. So it was a little strange to me why the stock actually, I mean, it makes sense to me why the stock dropped because of the uncertainty and because of the, you know, the failed takeover attempt. But at the same time, some people may actually argue this was actually a good move and they may have been overstepping by trying to get into a market like that. The more metrics I looked at, the more I just didn't see any immediate red flags with this company. Taking a look at the valuation today, the stock is currently trading at 12 times earnings. And with a PE ratio of 12, if we date back again, just over the past decade, as far as this data goes back, this is in theory the most attractive that it's looked in over a decade. Not to mention price to book at a 2.8, that as well as, uh, at least on this company standard, looking at a bit of a low point here. So from what I see at the forefront of it, I like the stock. Again, I can't say with much confidence that I've been following the stock for a long time, but that said, it's one that is now pretty high on my radar. And again, with the stock down off highs, again, trading at a PE ratio of 12, it's one that's piquing my interest. One thing to know is that you're not going to get a great dividend with the stock. They are increasing it. It's just not a big one at the moment. But 
if you are looking for a company that is defensive yet still offering some growth, this may be a really interesting one to look at. And it may be actually really valuable stock given a point in the market that we're in right now. Not to mention that, of course, it's Canadian. Everyone loves their Canadian stock. So the stock today trades for $38.51. It's one to throw on the watch list, no doubt. The ticker again is ATD.B. Moving along into our second stock for today's video, this is going to be our American stock. And it's one that I've talked about from time to time, but I did want to go a little bit deeper into the uh, video today because we did just have their earnings report. I actually was watching this stock all morning, went through their earnings report. I actually saw the CEO on an interview on TV. So I want to share that with you today. The company is Raytheon Technologies, ticker RTX. Price target, which I know you guys love, is the uh, currently set at about $77. This was assessed as of October 27th. Keep that in mind. I don't think we need to get too deep into the overview of this company because again, we've covered them so many times on the channel. I don't want to bore you guys. If you are new to the channel, go dig through the archives because you can find a bunch of videos on Raytheon. Very briefly, however, they are a company that giving you exposure through Collins Aerospace to the aerospace side of things. You have missiles and defense. This is a company in the defense segment. They have a space segment of business, intelligence and space. And then they have Pratt & Whitney, which is a company that makes big engines for commercial planes and fighter jets. And really, this company has been on my radar since the way before the spinoff because I've owned uh, UTX for a long time. But essentially what happened was Raytheon merged with United Technologies, which was which basically spun off their divisions. They spun off Carrier they spun off Otis. And what that actually did was not only did it unlock a lot of value for those two companies, which have done very well, it's really given Raytheon the chance to focus in on what they do and really get, you know, this laser focus on, uh, I don't know, that's a, that's a, that's a bad example. Like I can think of something better to say than that. They can now hone in better on what their bread and butter is, and that's aerospace, that's defense. However, the share price obviously hasn't done crazy well. That said, they did post their Q4 earnings today, as I mentioned, and it was another beat. They've actually beat expectations over the past four quarters in a row. Obviously, expectations are lower now because the company is struggling, but still above analyst expectations. But let's take now a look at a couple areas of this report. And what I hope this is able to display for you is why I say the things about that I do about this company and why I like how diverse it is amongst its segments. Bookings and orders. Backlog at the end of the fourth quarter was $150 billion, of which $82.8 billion was from the commercial aerospace side, $67 billion was from defense, a very nice healthy split between two segments. You can actually see that despite the rough quarter, notable defense bookings, a perk of working with the military and with the defense, $947 million of classified bookings with the intel with RIS, the Ready to on Intelligence segment and space segment. 354 million for a classified program for missiles and defense. We see parts for the fighter jets. Maybe they need some new engines, et cetera, et cetera, but a healthy split between the two segments. If we actually look at the revenue split, this is actually for the fiscal year 2020. Again, super distributed across all segments. Collins Aerospace is the biggest segment, which generated 20 point, or $19.2 billion in sales. Pratt & Whitney came in second largest, 167 but even their two smaller divisions, Raytheon Intelligence and Space, pulled in $11, $11 billion in sales, and Raytheon Missiles and Defense, again, $11 billion in sales, which, if you want to look at a fancy chart like this, is extremely, extremely diverse. Yet again, as I touched on, it's all honed in on their, it's still laser-focused on their area because they've spun off those other two companies. 
I know that I have mentioned it before, but that is of utmost importance to me when you see a company that has such a nice spread amongst their divisions because when one company or when one segment is lagging or slacking, another one can be picking up the slack. A great example of this is in this quarter, Pratt & Whitney, which makes their big engines, they saw sales down 20% year over year, yet their military sales, so this could be fighter jet parts and engines and contracts they have to go repair those types of planes, this was up 18%. Again, somewhat of a hedge. And taking a look at the balance sheet, the company was able to essentially double their cash position from over a year ago. Today, they're sitting at just shy of $9 billion. Don't mind the contract assets that I have highlighted there. Actually, if you just look at the current assets and total assets, we're sitting at $43.3 billion. 162 billion, then carry that over to the debt where we've actually seen that decline from a year over year basis. So they actually shed off about $8,000 in long-term debt. Um, Don't mind that little uh, future pension one that I must've highlighted there. But for me, takeaway is pretty much, I look at that and they have $9 billion of cash on hand. In fact, I actually saw, uh, there was an interview this morning on CNBC with the CEO and they're basically asking him, you know, praising them for the good quarter and what they're going to do with that money. And one of the key things was saying that buybacks was high on their radar. In fact, they may actually be making some announcements this week as to what to do with that cash. And he said, obviously, CEO is going to say this about their company, but he's liking the share price at the moment. And so have I. You guys know I've been buying into this stock quite heavily. Actually, one of my larger positions at the moment. But why is this stock dropping in the first place? Um, I think there's a couple reasons at least if I were to try and pinpoint that. For one, I think that the near-term certain uncertainty regarding the shift over of power, the Democratic parties tend to be less favorable when it comes to military spending. And I think that's a legitimate concern for a lot of investors out there. I think more than actually cutting down the budgets is just the uncertainty that has a lot of investors unsettled. You're actually seeing companies like Lockheed Martin, another company in defense in the defense segment, seeing weaker and weaker performance maybe they're trying to price this in who knows of course on a company specific level though however we can't overlook like they've had to cut costs and when i say cut costs jobs have been cut with raytheon i think they cut well here they say they cut 1500 more jobs they've actually totaled layoffs of 21,000 positions which is a massive massive number the company after this layoff i believe reduced headcount by 20 percent in the aerospace division specifically not to mention the CEO himself took a pay cut. So his actual salary has been cut down. Not that he's going to, he'll be fine regardless, but companies do go through this from time to time, especially companies that are heavily impacted by the coronavirus. And some people, some companies are shutting down business. So it's not out of, I don't think it's anything crazy to expect that we're seeing layoffs. From my experience, when companies that I've owned have done this in the past, there's obviously a very negative sentiment that comes with it over the short term. But if the, along with the stock dropping down, but if the prospects of a company are strong, if they're in an area as a leader like Raytheon is, Raytheon Technologies, they get through these periods. And in my opinion, as well as the CEO, again, they're looking to do a share buyback, which in most cases signifies that they're liking the stock at the moment. That's where they're deciding to deploy their cash. That's something that I do like to see. Again, you are pulling in a nice dividend with the stock top of the line dividend payer, 28 years of consecutive growth. Today, the dividend is not quite bumped up to that 3% mark. It's up at 2.7, 2.8 because the shares have kind of picked up. But nevertheless, I mean, a nice, nice yield to start with. Today, they are trading again at $69, just under $70 per share USD. They did have a 
decently nice day, but they did kind of track back down. And based on Morningstar's assessment, again, some people like looking at this, they do feel the stock is trading at a 14% discount relative to its fair value based on what they deem. And that would be my second pick for today's video. I think actually one of the outlooks that they mentioned was that uh, they don't expect the commercial airline industry and certain areas to get back to normal, like normal, normal. Some, some some people's outlooks are actually looking as far as 2024 before we really can get this whole pandemic thing behind us, which is just crazy to think about. It's already been longer than uh, than we all would have liked, but I guess it is what it is. Companies like this, as long as they have the cash on hand, as long as they're not in too crazy amount of debt, they should be able to get through it. And I think Raytheon's a, a good pick overall. Again, one of my better picks at the moment, in my opinion. But that's it for today's video. Thank you guys all for watching. What do you guys think of my picks? Do you like them? Do you dislike them? If you guys enjoyed the video or if you stuck around this far, take a moment to give it a thumbs up because that seriously helps out with the channel. That's a great way of supporting me. If you guys like the information, if you're not already subscribed, we post videos like this every single week. So hit that subscribe button and make sure you hit the bell for notifications. That way, when we make a post, you'll be one of the first ones there. Um, always appreciate any of those uh, first covers to the video. And as always, we do have our investing academy. If you're a beginner to the stock market, you want you need courses and training to get started because you don't really know what you're doing. We have a step-by-step -step program that takes you through the entire process. That's that first link down below. But as always, I thank you guys for watching. I hope you enjoyed and I'll see you in the next video.